management and technology go hand in hand these days. You can't think about leadership, you can't think about management practices without being influenced by technology and technology tools. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Trends That Will Shape the Next Decade. This is a three-part series discussing the Horizon Report from the Center for Information and Communication Sciences at Ball State University. The report identifies trends across three dimensions, technology, management and leadership, and business models. The report highlights the trends that are likely to have the most impact on the next decade. In episode one, you might recall, we dug into the technology trends. In this episode, episode two, we're gonna dig into the management and leadership trends that the authors saw as they were researching this. Today, I am joined again by the authors of the Horizon Report, Dr. Dennis Trinkle, the director of CICS, and grad students, Christopher Newhan, Cyrus Green, and Paul Feria. Welcome back, gentlemen. Let's go, Jeff. Great to be back. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Jeff. Great to be here. Paul, I can always just, I, I can depend on you for the energy, man. The, <laughs> the fist pump and the energy. Uh, I love it. To our listeners, I know you can't see the video, but man, it's always it's always great to see these guys really have gotten to know them over the course of the last several months and, and enjoy the enthusiasm for this. So Dr. Trinkle, I'd, I'd love to start with you. I know in episode one, you talked about the broader context of the Horizon Report itself. And for our listeners, if you want to go, if you've not listened to episode one, we will have a link in the show notes. But let's set the context for the management and leadership portion of that, and maybe some of the impact that the pandemic might have had on your findings. Absolutely, Jeff. So, um, when we set out to look at the, the Horizon Report overall, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just technology specific, that we also looked at the implications of change coming up in business model practices, in management and leadership approaches, and to, to think about those things synergistically. Certainly in the center, when we are talking about technology, it, it is very difficult to separate that out from the implications on businesses, the implications for management and leadership. And the, the true reverse is even more the case, right? The management and technology go hand in hand these days. You can't think about leadership, you can't think about management practices without being influenced by technology and technology tools in, in the workplace, um, in our routines. So the management and leadership section is intended to be both complementary to and intertwined with the technology section because there are all of those interconnections. And I think that um, as we go through the conversation this afternoon, that will become really clear that it, that it is just almost impossible today in the 21st century to talk about management and leadership without technology influencing every one of the, the variables that we looked at. I think that aligns well with a lot of conversations that you and I personally have had over the last couple of years 
that the need for uh, management and leadership emphasis in the technology leadership ranks is vitally important. What impact did you see as you were conducting this research? What impact did the pandemic have on some of your findings, do you think? So great question. I would say that COVID impacted the trends in both a positive and a negative way. On the positive side, it it really served as an accelerator. Many of the trends that we examined and that we heard about from our um, industry experts were already unfolding. The importance of data analytics, the impact of artificial intelligence, these were all trends that were already there just to take some technical examples. But they also had negative implications to be sure. So there's no doubt that some of the trends that we looked like, diversification of supply chain were disrupted. The ability to build inclusive, diverse workforce teams is another example of something that was disrupted by COVID's impact on the workforce. And um, now we're seeing what's being referred to as the great resignation. And there's a a real reshuffling of priorities, what individuals are looking for in the workplace and how they want to engage and how that flows out into the choices they make about employers and, and roles that they're going to fill. So I would say that COVID and its impact is really a pretty mixed bag with some, some positive things in terms of, of outcomes and accelerations of growth and positive trends, and then also the inverse, absolutely some negative impact there. I think we've all seen a lot of that acceleration and, and I like how you said some positive, some negative, right? Uh, some, of, some of that acceleration was caused by the negative circumstances. Some of it was the speed of change that we had to adapt to. And I know the report highlights 10 areas or 10 trends, and we won't have time to cover all 10 in our segment today, but I wanna to touch on a few, but let me first read what the 10 trends are, and then I'm gonna ask each one of you to share one that stood out to you. So for our listeners, the 10 trends of management and leadership identified in this report are need for emotionally intelligent leaders, shifts in workforce demographics, leading, managing, and developing diverse teams, Here's a big one, managing distributed teams. A lot of us got introduced to that in the last year and a half. Decentralized and flatter organizations, demand for leadership at every level, powers of 10 leadership, managing alongside technology, leading at a pace of change amidst high uncertainty, and agile leadership. I wish we had time to dig into all of those. <laughs> those. Those are amazing. And I think the report is fantastic because all of those should be top of mind for leaders today. And I could pick out two or three of them and just say, man, I'd like to talk about these for the next hour or so. But in the interest of time, Cyrus, I'm going to put you on the spot and have you go first. Uh, which one of these did you find most interesting or one that stood out to you? Sure. Uh, I'm going to jump into the shift in workforce demographics, uh, especially from a leadership and management perspective. It was fascinating for each of us to dive into the dynamics at play in a, a really unique circumstances today as far as the confluence of 
uh, different generations in the workforce, uh, a pretty much unprecedented rates of diversity in the workforce, as well as a really an emerging skill gap that we identified. And I'm really going to home, home in more on that last piece, the skill gap. But I think it does involve, as Dr. Trinkle mentioned, a mixed bag of good and bad. Uh, going back to, again, leadership, I think we've seen a lot of progress to some of those earlier pieces. I mentioned uh, diversity. I think there's been strides made as far as leaders from a top-down uh, movement championing inclusivity and uh, deconstructing traditional standards. Uh, there's, of course, much work to be done, especially in the tech space in that regard. But I think where there's really been, I think, a, a lack or, or, or a need for, for greater emphasis from leaders and managers is focusing on that skill gap. Uh, our report cited a study by Corn Ferry uh, estimating that by 2030, there will be 85 million unfilled roles globally due to a, a lack or, or a shortage of, of leaders with the necessary technical and leadership proficiencies. This is, of course, going to have massive uh, amplified effects across multiple industries, multiple sectors. And uh, there are, of course, many factors at play uh, when you look at multiple generations, diverse workforces, and how each of those relates to that skill gap. But the bottom line is there there is an emergent skill gap, and I think it is incumbent on leaders to prepare for transforming the workforce to meet that need. And when you speak of this, the 85 million in a skills gap, 85 job openings, these are at leadership and management levels, right? These are not you're not talking specifically about entry-level roles. Actually not. No, so it's not leaders. Um, interesting question, though. One of our other trends uh, identified leadership at every level. And I think that intersects with the answer here, that leadership is required of, of really employees across seniority levels. So uh, that, again, is, is we're seeing the consolidation of a new standard of, of requirements and competencies for the worker of the future. Leadership is one of them. And it's not just required of the C-suite. It's required of, of uh, team members, like I said, across seniority levels. And that, coupled with new and evolving uh, demands for technical competency, is feeding into that, that shortage of, of skills. So this really is that technical skills gap that we've been, we've been hearing about for a while, but it's growing. Is that kind of my understanding correct now? Absolutely. It is growing. I know we spent the last segment uh, speaking about technology. I want to highlight mm -hmm. a, a quote actually from one of our interviewees, one of the experts on our panel. Uh, her name's Andrea Richter-Gary. She's a VP at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. And I thought she hit the nail on the head when she said that technology itself isn't the disruption. It's the way that technology is applied that's the disruption. And I think to her point, uh, AI, for example, in and of itself isn't capable of creating disruption. But when you look at you know, the way it's applied, it's implemented. And when you think about cultivating the workforce of the future to coexist alongside AI, to leverage and harness AI, that's where we will see disruption. So that really is, mm -hmm. they're intimately intertwined. And uh, that training, that cultivation, as she said, is necessary to not only address that skill gap uh, that's emerging as technology evolves, but really creating the disruption that we've been talking about and researching uh, with this with this study. As you were doing the study and, and doing your interviews, what thoughts did the experts have in how do we go about trying to close that skills gap? I talk to IT leaders all the time, and that is probably one of their number one concerns. You'd think cybersecurity would be top of list. Most of the time, it's that skills gap. It's finding good people. 
Yeah, I love that you asked it. And it was really cool. I, I was happy to hear Andrea really focus in on that in our interview. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big part of the work they're doing at the Indiana Economic Development Corporation and organizations like it. They've identified this as a critical need. And like you said, Jeff, a lot of leaders that you've talked to have expressed that same concern. Uh, she really focused in on vocational and community college schools. I mean, you mentioned cybersecurity. I think that's a great example of community colleges. Uh, it may not be you know, well-known, they are truly one of the driving uh, contributors to information security professionals in the workforce. So these are often underappreciated, under-resourced sources for training and development uh, that really are going to play an increasingly critical role in cultivating a, a you know a workforce with new required skill sets. Uh, beyond that, uh, certainly assessing you know an organizational level what in-house uh, training and development resources are offered and, you know, how can those be optimized? Yeah. I think one of the challenges or one of the ways to address the challenge also would be, I'm starting to see more conversations about internships, apprenticeships. Uh, Were those talked about as you were diving into this topic? Absolutely. They go hand in hand with, I think that, you know, the vocational programs that she mentioned. Uh, We may think of those now as applying to welding and plumbing and while those you know will endure and, and be needs for society in the future, I think they're going to transform as what as far as what they offer. And to your point about internships, uh, certainly managers and leaders in the industry will need to take a proactive step in engaging those developmental resources, building partnerships, and creating opportunities for professional experience, industry experience, and that will really just magnify the uh, the development that's taking place and further prepare those workforces to meet those needs in the future. To that end, Jeff, I, I wanted to contribute to Cyrus's thought right there because we touched on this in the last episode with the technology trends when I believe it was Chris and Dr. Trinkle that touched on dipping your toe in the water and running pilots for these mm-hmm. technologies. One of the biggest things we're seeing too is virtual reality, right? So companies such as GE, for example, um, running virtual reality simulations to actually get employees in the seat. You don't have to be out in the field. You don't have to be, you know, hands-on physically with the manufacturing equipment. You can simulate that environment and put them in challenging situations with virtual reality too. So that definitely, uh, as it becomes more ubiquitous, could be something that uh, helps with the skills gap as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for adding that in, Paul. I, I appreciate that. Cyrus, thanks for your thoughts on that trend. Like I say, I think that is one of the things that is top of mind for a lot of our listeners out there. Uh, So, Paul, I'm going to toss to you. What trend stood out to you as you were doing the research? Yeah, it really stood out to me, the, the emphasis on agile leadership and not agile from the sense of a project management methodology like agile or scrum or waterfall but agile in the sense of a mindset and a practice. Um, So MIT Sloan, we have a direct quote from them. It's the ability to respond, adapt, and manage change amidst disruption. Um, So when we look at agile leadership, we're looking at the leaders, actually not just the leaders, but the employees' ability to respond to change in the environment, either customer needs or internally to the organization continue to be able to evolve those needs and help the organization move forward. So a lot of people placed emphasis on that ability to pivot as changes and disruptions happen um, so that you can actually stay relevant in the marketplace. 
how did you see the impact of the pandemic on this particular category? Dr. Trinkle talked about it overall on these 10 trends, but when you think about agile leadership, where do you see the biggest impact of the, the last 18 months? Yeah, so in the report, um, we highlight a telecommunications company, for example, where before the pandemic, they're rolling along. You know, they're, they're doing their annual budget meetings, quarterly budget meetings, and they're saying, okay, just as an example, we have these 10 areas we want to invest in. Okay, we, we have these projects, these areas, we want to spread our money out and, and, you know, try to keep these plates spinning, if you will. Well, with the pandemic, the budget got constrained mm -hmm. and they needed to be able to, to take a step back and focus on, hey, instead of spreading our resources so thin, what are the main drivers of our organization and how can we mobilize the talent and the strengths of the people that we have in-house toward those, maybe it's two or three initiatives instead of 10. So I think what we saw with COVID um, was really a readjusting of how we think about investing into different projects or uh, even in our people to say, hey, what are those main things that move the needle? The main things that move the needle, you know, and, and question and challenge the periphery around those things. One of the things that came out of some of the conversations, uh, this might have actually been a program that Dr. Trinkle and I did with CICS on the pandemic, uh, this whole concept of pandemic mode. And what, what I mean by that mm. is that companies ratcheted up and accelerated the change to address things that were going on with the pandemic. And people have expressed the desire about how do we maintain that? How do we maintain that speed, that agility going forward without going back to the more incremental type leadership? So Paul, as you think about that category, what are some things that our listeners can do to mm. keep that agile mindset front of mind as they're dealing with whatever the next chaos is? Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I would love to hear your thoughts on what I'm about to share, especially coming from a leadership position. But the biggest thing, and MIT Sloan reflected this as well, is it's not just about collecting surveys anymore of, you know, what your people need or what your customers want. This is actually, and to your point, hard hat, muddy boots. This is about having conversations with people, having conversations with customers, really and, and depending on the business line, maybe not not literally, but understanding what they need, what they want, and how those needs are changing. Um, so one of the things that we highlight in the report, and we talked about this again last week, or the last episode, excuse me, was big data and data-driven mm -hmm. insights. What does the data tell you that's important to customers? Where are they really spending their money? Where are they really engaging? And really just focusing on those areas. So it may sound more tedious. Oh, hey, you mean I have to get deeper insight into what my customers are thinking? Holy cow, like how long is that going to take me? But think about the exponential value that that will add to how you develop your products, your service offerings, because you'll be able to infuse deeper insights that will yeah. make that pay payoff worthwhile. Does that, does that reflect? Yeah, yeah. well, and I think the, the word that came to mind 
as you were talking about that for me, when especially when you made the comment about it's not about the surveys anymore, uh, mm-hmm. is empathy. The ability mm-hmm. to know and understand how someone else is feeling or reacting and then using your ability as an uh, as an agile leader to respond and adapt and manage change in that environment. I think that to me, that's the the soft skill as opposed to the big data skill. I think they're incredible, both incredibly important. But that empathetic leader is the word that jumped in my head. The last thing that I want to add to that is we put a huge focus on we cannot underestimate that this type of leadership and this is really this permeates through all 10 trends in this uh, section of the book it requires trust and understanding trust and understanding and that is not something you get you get you just check a box that that is a fundamental shift of hey can i actually cultivate a space within me to listen to somebody else you know absolutely key attributes of leaders at any time, but that agile leadership, having that trust is is paramount. Yes. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Paul. I really appreciate it. Chris, you've been sitting there waiting, chomping at the bit to chime <laughs> in, I know. What was your favorite trend? What stood out to you the most? Certainly. And Paul, you mentioned having conversations, engaging with customers, this value of empathy and trust and uh, and really valuing the employee or the customer, excuse me. But we also have to realize that this transcends to the employees of our companies as well. And these values of trust, empathy, hearing what those individuals are saying is, is incredibly important. So the, the trend I'm going to focus on is really the need for emotionally intelligent leadership. Uh, and, and, and you mentioned this, Jeff, in a couple of different capacities. And, and Dr. Trinkle, you also bring this up in your introduction. Uh, but really this understanding that as the technology continues to change, as we have this these significant disruptive factors with rapid and accelerating paces of change across the board. Uh, the, the reality is, is management has to understand their employees. They have to be able to hear what their employees are really saying, regardless of, of you know, understanding the data is one thing, but turning that around, applying and capitalizing on those data points and bringing it to the workforce is, is certainly, you know, an incredible uh, value add that has to happen. And emotional intelligence is a couple different things. And it's, it's, it's really kind of an umbrella term that encompasses a variety of different components. Uh, you mentioned empathy as a, as a big one, right? Self-awareness is critical. Self-management follows that up, you know, directly after. Um, social awareness is key, especially from a management and leadership perspective, especially when we have these virtual settings, right? We take that face-to-face out of the equation. It becomes a, a totally different level of difficulty to understand how your employees are feeling uh, when they're sitting in their home. How can we manage and adjust to those pieces? And then, of course, relationship management. Again, how do we tailor relationships at a different level, different capacity, especially in, a, in an incredible time of disruption where we have remote work that's going to continue. We have isolated and, and workforces that are spread across continents in some cases. You know, how do we still engage our, our base at a level that's equivalent or even even better in some cases uh, than it was prior to the pandemic and, and into the future. So emotional intelligence is, is you know, a buzzword that we hear all the time, uh, but especially over, over the next decade, we're going to see a, an increased relevance for leaderships uh, and management and people in those higher roles uh, to be aware of how their, how their employees are feeling, to be very in tune with, with the way their company is moving, uh, and especially to be, uh, to, to be actively willing to hear those concerns and to capitalize on them. I love this part of the book, the management and leadership book, 
because so many of the trends intersect, right? And you're talking about emotional intelligence and uh, some of the other things that we've talked about really come into play when you think about emotional intelligence. And you mentioned a big one today, which is the managing distributed teams. And what I'd love to know, Chris, as you were digging into this research, uh, what ideas surfaced to help people manage those distributed teams with emotional intelligence? What key aspects of emotional intelligence were important in that respect? Yeah, that's, a, that's an incredible question. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, we really saw these um, these components come to fruition. We saw many companies such as Salesforce, uh, Accenture, big organizations that were actively engaging their employees, but also setting aside a budget for them, recognizing we understand working from home is not easy. We understand that this is a new space that you're launching into. And we understand that our expectations of quality are just as high as they were a month ago when you were in the office. So how can we as an organization with a vast amount of resources behind us, supplement your ability to still perform at the level that we want you to. And in some cases that was offering compensation. Here's a, here's a package to build your work from home station, right? Here's a package to buy that mic and that headset. That's a small, tiny little gesture, if you will, but it really recognizes that the employer understands the struggle that the employee is going through. We also saw an increase in employee resource groups, social groups that were funded and organized by the company, recognizing mental health should be a priority. It should be at top of mind, especially given the incredible amount of disruption we're facing across the board from political and social unrest to at a larger global scale, we see unrest at a totally different level of this capacity uh, to, to political uh, judgment across the board. So how can companies respond? And, and we really saw that, I think, in the early months of the pandemic when we saw shift after shift and disruption after disruption. But fast forwarding to to right now, as Dr. Trinkle put it, you know, entering entering this fall into a, a, a new, new era, really where we have the infrastructure built, we have the standards uh, organized for how employees should focus in a remote capacity. Uh, so I think employ employers are turning to, now that we have those resource groups built, we have the funds set aside and our employees, the expectations I think are fairly set into, into you know how can we work from home and, and work in this, as you put it, distributed workspace. I think they're now switching to how can we capitalize and improve those components at a different level. Now that we, we know we can encourage our workforce, uh, but how do we engage them at a different yeah. capacity? How do we still bring that social atmosphere to a virtual space? Uh, we see Facebook launching new, Paul brought up virtual reality capacity. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, Facebook launched their metaverse space, I think is what uh, Zuckerberg called it, right? This environment and virtual capacity uh, that employees can engage at a totally different level than they would have a, a decade ago or even a year ago. So, uh, you know, pulling those pieces together we know emotional intelligence or EQ is incredibly important to business success, incredibly important to, to employee level success. Uh, but we also are aware that the values behind it are, are the real yeah. concrete piece, right? Empathy, social awareness, uh, building and maintaining relationships in a distant capacity uh, and really involving the employee in those big decisions. Yeah. I love how you tied in or tied together emotional intelligence and mental health because I think that's one of the conversations that has really elevated in the last couple of, of years is the importance of, of mental health. And it all runs together. So Chris, thank you so much for that. Dr. Trinkle, I'm going to turn to you. And you may recall from last time I put you on the spot before I let you share. So I'm going to put you on the spot again. You get to pick one of the 10. What's the 
what's the one that just jumps out as the most important? It may not be the one that you're going to be covering here, but what's the one that you think is the most impactful? Oh gosh, you know, so the the one that I was thinking of covering probably isn't isn't the one that I'm going to pick. So I'm I'm going to hop on on board with Chris and emotional intelligence for, for a wide variety of reasons as being absolutely foundational. And I want to take off from what you said about mental health because I think that when leaders think about and probably most members of your audience think about emotional intelligence, we often think about relationships. We think about self-awareness. We think about understanding where others are coming from. We think about navigating those interactions successfully and with, with tact and diplomacy and perspective. And all of that is absolutely right and absolutely critical. But the foundation for emotional intelligence is actually developing the discipline to get a pause, to not just react emotionally, to not just follow the biological drives that take us down emotional pathways, um, but rather to be able to pause and to live intentionally and to make decisions and to make choices intentionally. And that has never been more important, that getting that, getting that fundamental pause and not just being carried away by emotions. Uh, probably everybody on the call, everybody who's listening to us at some point has had the experience where they felt like they were just dipping into being addicted to their phone or overwhelmed by data and information, right? So um, we live in a world where our dopamine transmitter, which is triggered by rewards that come from interactions with our phones, video games, new data sources, the internet, et cetera, it's permanently stuck to the floor for most of us. And we no longer are at the point where we are living healthy and balanced, intentional lives, unless we are working at it, unless we've developed some practices that will allow us to work at it. So I'm gonna say emotional intelligence because that foundational ability to not just be carried away by emotions, actually to be able to, to step back and have intentionality at a time when we're all bombarded is absolutely critical for solid decision-making but it's critical just for health and well-being and everything built on top of that. So um, emotional intelligence times 10 for sure. Excellent. Thanks. And I, I love the concept of, of hitting pause. That is so important. So Dr. Trinkle, what is the category, the trend that you'd like to cover today? <laughs> Thanks for that prompt, Jeff. I am going to um, take off from what Paul was saying and not focus on the agility in leadership, but focus on the ability to both think strategically and tactically, or to think at a high level and to think at a very precise level as well. We explore the ability to go fluidly back and forth between those different ways of thinking in what we call powers of 10 leadership. And powers of 10 leadership takes its name from a famous documentary from about 20 years ago that was done by the Eames brothers that looked at man's place in the universe. And I did a wonderful job of looking at the galaxy and going out to the incredible scope and span of the galaxy and, and explaining that it's important for man to understand the relationship of the earth to the planets, to their galaxy, and then how, how large it is and, and just how um, important those relationships are. And then it goes in reverse and goes down to the microscopic level showing the real precision all the way down to the atomic level and the relationships at, at, at an atomic scale. Um, and 
the overall message of that documentary was that we need to be able to understand our place in the universe, both at the very large scale and the very small scale and the interconnectedness of the two. And today's business leader or organizational leader needs to be able to do that same thing, needs to be able to see the very, very big picture and needs to be able to think very, very precisely um, at a small componentized level as well. And most importantly, just as the Eames brothers wanted us to understand the relationship between the large and the small in terms of our place in the world, we need to be able to do that in terms of our strategies and our tactics, the way we're thinking about these trends in our businesses, to be able to think about what are those really large scale trends? What are their implications? Where are we going? What do we need to be thinking about? How does it all fit together at the large scale? But then swing down and think tactically or to think operationally. How are we going to achieve that? What are the connections? What are the real, specific, meaningful moments that these trends are going to have for individual roles, for individual products, services, and be able to understand the relationship between all of those and then be able to tie it together. And that's a really hard thing to do. It sounds easy and it's simplistic and obvious, but when you think about it, um, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of perspective and information to be able to think about an organization in the large scale and to understand all of the trends that are out there and it takes an equal amount of time and focus and attention to be able to think about all of the details of, say, managing a project or um, the components of a particular product or service. And to be able to fluidly go back and forth in real time between those really big questions and those really small, specific questions is really hard to do, but absolutely essential. Because as we look at in other trends like accelerating change, um, today's leaders don't have the luxury of a year to figure these things out. They've got to be able to make real-time decisions and real-time adjustments. And to do that effectively, we argue, and we heard repeatedly, you've got to be able to think at the large scale and you've got to be able to think at the small scale and tie them together on a daily and constantly evolving basis. So I would point to that capacity, that ability to think in terms of powers of 10 leadership as one of the most fundamental um, trends that we see becoming more and more important over the coming decades. I love that concept of interconnectedness. I've always said, uh, and, and I know you share the same thought, Dr. Trinkle, that as a, as a CIO, uh, senior IT leader, one of the abilities that set the top CIOs apart from uh, maybe some of the others is that ability to see that interconnectedness and to connect the dots. So I love that you pulled that out because a CIO gets a holistic view of a business, maybe in some ways different than anybody else on the leadership team, typically, because they they do see each business line. They see all the support divisions. They see all of that. And that ability to connect the dots is just incredibly important. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? In a, in a less abstract way, it's really important if you're a CIO or an aspiring CIO to begin to develop the discipline of climbing that first mountain, right? So yeah. it is hard to know what you don't know until you can see what you ought to be thinking about. So putting yourself in a lot of learning opportunities, networking, having conversations um, will help you be exposed to the sorts of things that will allow you to truly think strategically. When you live at the tactical level, it's hard to just imagine your own mind what the strategic level might look like. So you have to get out, you have to have those conversations, you have to read all the time, learn in every way you can to really broaden your perspective and, and have an understanding of the strategic level 
to be able to go back and forth. Yep, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, you know I could talk about this all day long, but we are we are reaching our, our time limit. I want to leave our listeners with a strong call to action. So I'm going to pick on each one of you in turn and just briefly, what's one thing that someone listening to our conversation today, what's something they should do differently tomorrow because they listen to us? So Chris, I'm going to start with you. Absolutely. I love that we have action steps at the end of these. I think it's uh, it's very formative and, and certainly proactive moving forward. Um, given that I spoke on emotional intelligence, I think I'll piggyback after one of Dr. Trinkle's points there, uh, recognizing the amount of data we're consistently in the, in the amount of, of things that are actively pinging us or engaging in every capacity from our work to our personal lives and understand that balance uh, is really take the initiative in your life today, whether you're a leader uh, in your business or, or an employee in, in any capacity, but recognize the value of taking that step back, pressing pause on, on the bigger picture, and, and really recognizing how these different components of your life fit in together and valuing uh, the, and really bringing the value to your life as a whole, understanding how emotional intelligence can be added to, to simply a part of your job, but also your social life, yeah. also your personal life. So I think pulling those together is um, you take that step back, slow down, press pause, knowing we're actively being engaged by so many different influences and take some time to reflect on and how you can better apply emotional intelligence to your life. Outstanding. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Cyrus, how about you? Sure. So from a uh, leadership and management perspective, of course, there are many, many moving pieces when you look at uh, navigating and leading uh, amidst changing workforce demographics. But from that skills perspective that I was kind of hammering earlier, I think it really starts with a critical assessment of how your team, your organization, your industry is preparing uh, for jobs and technologies that do not exist yet. What sorts of reskilling and training resources and uh, offerings exist how can they be optimized? How can they be improved? These are critical questions to ask and to begin acting on to start preparing for that that emergent gap that I that I mentioned. Excellent advice, Cyrus. I appreciate that. Paul. Yeah. So with agile leadership, we mentioned before that it's a mindset, right? So your paradigm has to make room for the tactical stuff that fits within it. So I, I, we should focus on the mindset, but. With the telecommunications company that we focused on earlier, prior to the pandemic, they were going to run this massive training hall, picture like a hotel conference room, and they were going to fit all their employees in this training hall and, and run their training. Well, when the pandemic hit, they had to virtualize everything, mm -hmm. right? What this took for this to, to really work was they had to enable tiers of leadership. They had to enable coaches among their peers and colleagues that say, hey, here's how we facilitate the training. Here's how we move you through the virtual breakout rooms. And here's how things go. And now in our report, there's more detail regarding that. And we broke it out into a four-step process. But what I would say is, to Chris's point, taking a step back, are you enabling leadership on your team? Are you allowing cross-functional team dynamics and do you know the true main drivers of your organization? Like, do you really know the main drivers of your organization? So let's hit pause. Let's take a step back and let's consider the holistic view, the big picture view, and then kind of think about reorganizing and tearing teams differently from there. I'm getting this great theme 
coming out of out, out of this entire conversation. I, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so uh, Dr. Trinkle, I think you're next. That's terrific, Jeff. So I'm not going to continue the theme. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with a different suggestion. I want to encourage all of the listeners today to remember the number 11. And what I mean by that is I want to encourage everybody to pick one thing and focus on getting 1% better at that each day or more or, or more informed, 1% more mm. informed on one thing each day as a way of developing the discipline to make steady progress. There's a historians like to cite that this wonderful story of, Europe, of the European explorers and mentioned that had they sailed just one degree different from their starting point in Spain, Portugal, and the Netherlands, that they would have wound up in South America rather than North America, showing the, the, the tremendous importance of small changes. And those small changes add up over time. So I want to encourage folks to not be overwhelmed by how big these trends seem and how many moving parts there seem to be, but to remember that if they just break it down into simple, digestible, actionable chunks, that then they'll be able to make steady progress and feel a sense of control um, in, in the face of these really large forces. So 11 is a lucky number. Um, I think it will be lucky for your listeners. Just pick one thing and try to become 1% more informed about it or 1% better at it each day. And that will put you on the path to being able to be in control and on top of these trends rather than overwhelmed and always behind the curve. Excellent. Excellent. Guys, I want to thank you again for, for taking the time to be on Status Go. Uh, I think your report is so important to leaders, technology leaders, but leaders in general, leaders of business. Uh, I think it's a fantastic piece of work, and uh, I can't wait for our audience, our listeners to, to dive into it. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links to the report and contact information. Next time, next episode, we're going to dig into the business model trends, and I can't wait for that discussion. This is Jeff Tun for Dr. Dennis Trinkle, Chris Newhan, Cyrus Green, and Paul Feria. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.